Hello, and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I am Chris Affield. It's good to be back from our brief hiatus. Brief hiatus, Chris. Uh, Chris, I wanted to start this off with talking about Rex Ryan, everyone's favorite <laughs> former Jets fan or Jets coach, uh, who, who drew the ire of Louisville fans today by saying that he didn't, some to the effect of he didn't believe in Teddy Bridgewater uh, as a quarterback vaguely, but maybe as a person, Chris. You, you had interesting reaction. Uh, no, nah, it was it was really weird to to see that all over my timeline, just kind of inundated everywhere today for him to come out so heavy handed. But like, I I absolutely adore Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure every Louisville fan does. He's probably <laughs> he he's probably at this point right there with Russ, Gorgie, um, Lamar. I would say those in the, in the lore of of Louisville fans far. But my thing when I heard that is like. At this point, the Louisville fan has became so accustomed to protecting quarterbacks because they do. I, I like I get why we did this thing with Lamar, but but I was just so surprised that so many people cared what Rex Ryan had to say. Oh, uh, just some one-liner throwaway, and to me, it was just a little weird. Like, I understand that obviously, like being a Louisville fan my whole life and being around the fan base that we've constantly kind of positioned ourselves in this place as like an underdog and i get right. it I, I i like being there i like yeah, being I like being the public university i like being the the, the university that the, the rest of the state looks down upon i i love that role um and that's part of the reason that uh you know i love being a little fan but i think like over the past few years because of the bar that's kind of like and because like all like the FBI stuff and how everyone's had that <laughs> that that view of like the whole world against it that is kind of like fed itself to other places and oh, to absolutely. me just seeing the reaction of people like everywhere just so quick to just I mean I, like I said I love Teddy Bridgewater but he hasn't exactly been lighting up and doing his career through the NFL so the take of on the surface of you know he was more heavy handed than I would imagine some people would be but on the surface of just saying I'm not sold on Teddy Bridgewater isn't like the craziest take to have Absolutely. I, th- I think, you know, we're talking about this phenomenon that I think we have talked about a whole lot in this podcast. Yeah, we Wolver have. Fans, Wolver fans feel like they have something to prove and there's a chip on their shoulder whenever the media has something to say about a Louisville team, a Louisville adjacent athlete, something like that. And I'm, I'm right there with you. I saw the video and it was literally a sentence of Rex Ryan saying, uh, you know, basically Teddy Bridgewater isn't a good enough quarterback to help like the, the New Orleans Saints continue and, and really succeed, which might be true. I, I don't know. I don't think there's enough evidence of that yet. That's fair. And I just think people take this kind of stuff so personal. Yeah. Why you care about a throwaway line on get up when there's literally, they've got to fill eight hours of takes and yeah. someone says one line. It, it wasn't a personal thing. This isn't, uh, this, this isn't booger going for months on end to talk about, <laughs> to talk about Lamar right. Jackson. It, this, it's, th- I mean, this isn't the Lamar thing. The Lamar exactly. thing was, was under the, the cover of, a lot of racial things in my estimate. I think that's hard to deny. Um, I think for so, a lot of scouts, yeah, absolutely. Definitely was. Uh, so to me, I mean, it's it's not a big thing. It, it was yeah. just something that interests me. I just – I saw it everywhere today and it just kind of – I don't know. It, it always a little surprised me, those reactions when, when things like that happen because to me, I just really don't care what a guy who – 
wasn't a good coach and uh, you know <laughs> to me not really that great of a human but that's another story um so i don't know i just don't care no. what the man says it is what it is. Louisville fan's going to Louisville fan. Uh, that's why we're here to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, we've got a lot to talk about today, Chris. We're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about potential noise violations in the city of Louisville, you know, the biggest crimes facing our city. <laughs> and maybe a little Justify, maybe a little Andy Bashir campaign talk. Uh, so let's get it. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. Louisville is the greatest! All right, Chris. As, as we mentioned at the top of the show, it's good to be back. I know last week we didn't have a podcast and have a newsletter. I was out in Detroit for a fun 36 hours in, uh, in, in that northern city. And you went on a nice little quick weekend getaway to the southern part of this beautiful Commonwealth. How was that, Chris? <laughs> that was enjoyable, man. Um, just... I, I've wanted to spend more time over the summer exploring the weird parts of Kentucky, so I was able to do that. Um, was surprised by the amount of Andy Bashir signs that I saw. I counted. Yeah, thir- you mentioned that. I counted thirteen Andy Bashir signs to to two Matt Bevin signs. So if that's indicative of what Andy Bashir is going to do in <laughs> Southern Kentucky, I think it'll be just quite fine. But uh, I don't know, man. It was a good trip. You got to see quite a. Quite a good Yankees Tigers game. I don't know if I you know. Did. were you able to stay the whole whole entire I, game. I was able to stay the whole game. The Yankees hit six home runs. I think the Tigers hit four. So there was like ten home runs in the game. Most home runs there's been all season in a single Baseball's game. Baseball's alive and well. Baseball's alive and well, folks. It is that time of year when I'm going to get super amped up about uh, basically the three hour coronary that is a. MLB playoff game and uh, I'm really looking forward to it uh, you know as a Yankees fan it's, it's been it's, it's been a fun season even though they keep getting hurt but it's been fun it's been cool but let's talk about another team that is moving in good momentum I I, I feel like and uh, of course it's the Louisville Cardinals football team that is now two and one they are right where we expected them to be Chris with a victory over Western Kentucky a s- sort of I wouldn't quite say lackluster, but I wouldn't say completely dominant victory over the Hilltoppers in Nashville. Uh, but we're now reaching the part of the Louisville season where we can finally see where this is going to go. And that's coming up with a trip to Tallahassee, to Florida State, to play the Seminoles, the struggling 0-2 Seminoles, or 1-2, right? They're 1-2 Seminoles. Yeah. And... Uh, the line is is currently at six and a half. We just mentioned it. We were talking about it before the show. It opened at eight and has already fallen to six and a half. Florida State favored. Chris, what are what is your initial thought about this coming game, this matchup, and what it means for Louisville season going forward? I mean, we we yeah, we kind of go back to the Western game just for a second. We because we we talked about it, or I talked about it a little bit on Twitter. And we had a little bit of a back and forth. Right. Um, the the game was you know it was kind of it was great to see obviously Malik Cunningham be able to hook up a tutu a few times, or as the guys on the stadium called him tattoo, which tutu. was <laughs> real strange. But there was that. It's what's going to happen on the the great network of stadium. Uh, watch, out, watch stadium. <laughs> watch shout out stadium. to those guys. Yeah, shout out Jeff Goodman too for getting that getting that. Getting that bag. Um, the worst, the worst <laughs> score bug I've ever seen in my life. It like Dude, ruined half the screen. I mean, not not seeing the down and distance or the play call, 
kind of just made me feel what it like might be to, to coach as Bobby Petrino. That's <laughs> that, that's kind of how it felt. I was like, this this is the world he lives in. But anyway, yeah, anyway. Uh, um, seeing that happen, and I don't know that we have any more clarity on the quarterback situation. Maybe even less now that that Evan Codley has kind of entered, good. <laughs> entered the phone. I I don't even know what's going on there, so I don't even know if we want to talk about it. But my overall takeaway going forward is that Louisville has like yet to put together a complete game. I don't know if we have the expectation that they are going to put it together a complete game, but um, like I said, I, I kind of talked about it on Twitter. In in their games against Division One opponents, um, I'm trying to get to the to tweet this moment. In their games against Division One opponents, Louisville's outscored teams to combine 45 to 28 in the first half. Obviously, right. they had the, the the great first half against Notre Dame that was kind of nullified a little bit at the end by the by the Puma pass fumble and the Notre Dame score, but nonetheless, a great first half. Um, and then in the second half, they've been outscored to combine 28 to 10, three points against Notre Dame. Um, on Saturday, they, they, they were outscored 14 to 7 by Western. So I think that's something that's a little bit alarming, um, particularly yeah. when you when you talk about. I mean, it, Scott Satterfield's talked about it, didn't he? That's one thing I've appreciated with having a guy like this. He's been quite candid with certain things, and he's talked about how much he loves his starters. The defense has been good. I mean, they're ranked 29th in the country. Granted, they haven't faced the, yes. the, 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 the most stiffest competition, but they're, but they're right there in the, the, the top 50, and I think it but he would have took that um, to begin the season. But that, that's that's the biggest question for me going forward is can Louisville put together a complete game? Um, do they need to do it against Florida State, who, you know, they, they had the, the shocking uh, lead slip away against Boise State, and they had to hang on against Louisiana Monroe, and the Virginia right. game was all types <laughs> of crazy. Um, so can, do, do they even need to do it against Florida State? Who do they need to do it to? I mean, how many times do they need to do it to get to six? Because at this point, we're going to dream to get six. That's just what we're going to do. I think yeah. uh, that's the biggest difference from now to then is like uh, what we've seen from this Louisville team has given us – reason to dream for six i'm not there Absolutely. I, I think i'm at four wins but i don't know what was your kind of takeaway from mobile just going out and handling business against western then we can kind of talk a little bit more about florida state yeah absolutely i i, I think I, I was pretty pleased i wasn't able to watch the second half I had to go to a wedding so i i was only watching the first half and i and i thought malik cunningham he sort of started out slow maybe just to sort of getting his feet under him of course he was coming off injury um at the beginning of the season so 100 percent um but i i think once he sort of got settled and once the offense started going you could really get sort of that you know that running first mentality that we were getting from the team the defense i i thought looked really good uh, in, in that first half and, and you kind of you kind of outlined that under the stats um a, a few stats I, I think keith Wynn has kind of been the guy i've always looked to 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 sure. outline you know where louisville is comparatively to last season um a few stats that he tweeted on the uh, last night or yesterday during the the day that that jumped out to me uh louisville has two 50 yard passes on the season they only had one last year um in the entire year uh, as you mentioned, the, the defense, they're 31st in the country in yards per play, which I think is is a good sign of a metric because it's not quite yards per game or, or, or scoring defense. I think it's a little more accurate of a, met, of a metric. They're getting three sacks per game. It uh, ties them for eighth in the country. They average less than a sack per game and were last second to last. Um, penalties per game are down. Um, 
I mean, they, 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 they have playmakers. I think that's what, what yeah. you're kind of saying. Like, the, the, there's guys that are making plays, and that didn't happen last year. Yeah, but to answer your question in terms of how I feel about things going forward, I, I, I'm with you. I think this this Florida State game is going to be really interesting. Another thing that I've seen pointed out is uh, Louisville doesn't handle slants very well. Florida State does have talented athletes. Mm-hmm. They do have four- and five-star guys that I, I, I can can make you miss in, in ways – I don't. I'm almost a little. I'm almost a little pleased about the fact that this Florida State game is at Tallahassee. I think Louisville needs to get a good win uh, against a quality. Not. I mean, Florida State isn't quality, but you understand what I'm saying in this regards. It, against an opponent, an ACC opponent away from home, to maybe you know loosen up the belt a little bit. I think against against Florida State at home with the fans, there might be some pressure and 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 you know I don't know. I kind of want to see them do it away. I think if they do it away from home, this is just me you know thinking weird fan thoughts out loud that they might be more willing to do some things at home if they can do them on the road first no, and, i mean and I, I get that i think that that charlie I mean, it's gonna be an empty it's gonna be an empty dope campbell like yeah. it's gonna be it, it, they're not gonna have to worry about the excitement of, of, of any fan base i could just be totally wrong on this but i'm pretty sure that that team that charlie strong took to, to seven wins miraculously his first season that really wasn't good had like four wins on the road and that was something that he spoke a little bit about is that there was less pressure when you when you right. kind of left the confounds of Cotter Stadium to go out and, and perform. So that's that's something I haven't really thought of. But yeah, man, you, you talked about like the, the the kind of if you want to get very like X and O's for a second, the, the slant things is interesting because I think that the reality of where this defense is at right now is that the corners are going to be like, you know, in soft covers most of the time because that's just going to have, they're going to be that way. And if the defense is not able to get pressure, you know, that, mm-hmm. that front seven is not able to get pressure, there's going to be guys that are open and, and they're going to have a lot of space. And, you know, the, it's going to be very bend, not break. I, I think I completely that, agree. that's going to be a little bit more obvious when, particularly in seven, second halves, particularly when it's, you know, 100. <laughs> 105 degrees on the field like it was in Nashville and I and yes. I think that the high in Tallahassee is going to be 91 degrees so it's not going to be much different there so I mean after the Florida State game I think we're going to be able to come on here and have some really like strong analysis and really strong talking points about where this team is at because I, I this is kind of the dance we've done with this group it, but it's just we're, we know that Louisville isn't what we expected. I, I didn't – I expected the offense to be able to make plays. I, I really did. I, I expected Tutu Atwell. I expected them to find ways to get him the ball, and they have done that. I expected them to find ways to get Malik Cunningham on the on the, the field, and they have you know done that in a little bit more unconventional and unexpected ways than I expected, but it's happened nonetheless. The defense has just been the thing that I, I didn't see coming. They, have, they, they have been great. Um, Completely agree. Something, something that I kind of want to throw out to you that I, I've heard floated around there a little bit, and I hadn't thought of until I saw it is some people have this kind of notion that Malik Cunningham getting in the offense and carrying the ball more has kind of taken carries away from Javion Hawkins, and maybe that breaks up the rhythm of the offense and is not something you really want to to do with this team. And I don't know. That was something interesting. I don't know if I really know which way I'll go on that, but that's something I want to see if you, you had a belief on or anything. Yeah, no, like that. I, th- I think that is interesting, and I, I sort of noticed – 
something to that effect at the beginning. It almost felt like the offensive line didn't really, I don't know, it, it didn't feel like things were working correctly the first few drives. Yeah. Uh, uh, they weren't, uh, the line wasn't on the same wavelength with Malik. Maybe Malik was on the same wavelength with, with the running backs, with, with Hawkins. And, you know, I, I watched the highlights with. Conley and I think maybe that's what Conley brings to the table and why there were some murmurs that Conley may be playing some games or playing some significant time for this I mean, team. I mean Scott Satterfield said after the game that they're going to need all three quarterbacks this season yes. which is just something wild for me to hear. It just it seems like in certain situations that you really are going to need somebody who can spin it like Conley can and it is obvious in that second pass a beautiful perfect spiral to Atwell and that's something Pass hasn't shown he can do yet, and yeah. so I that's that's where I completely get where where Satterfield is coming from. So I, I do agree with you there, and I think it will be you know as you said we don't have clarity on the quarterbacks. It sounds like Juwan Pass is doing better. Satterfield made it seem like he's going to practice some. Does that mean he's going to play? I I don't know, man. I, I, I think I would lean right now to just just from what I've heard. I think I would lean to Malik Cunningham starting because I don't know that Juwan's completely ready but I mean I don't know if this was if this was like Scott Satterfield's second year and he was coming off a 6-7 win season you would go into this game against Florida State and you would say Louisville needs to win this game right that's right. that's where you would be at and yeah. I, I almost I actually yeah I wanted to ask you on a you know on a scale of one to ten one being you know, it doesn't matter at all. Ten being this is make or break for this season. What kind of like how much does Louisville need to win this game? For as you? far as how it relates to the rest of the season, I would say it's like a seven. I was um, gonna say a six or a seven. I, I think I think a win in Tallahassee to me convinces me that they they would in Tallahassee we're going to have conversations about it but I mean we're going to have bowl conversations and we should it merits that I think even given the lack of quality we've seen out of the Seminoles I I, I just think you know yeah I've heard some people complain about you know the line and maybe it should be closer you know Florida State's a public team one thing about that some of these I've heard a few people say it that uh, people are under the, the misconception that the line has something to do with the national respect or perspective that, that the country has for Louisville. It doesn't have anything to do with that. Vegas lets, sets lines by the public perception. They're going to set the line at eight, eight points because, I mean, uh, the public thinks Florida State. They look at the name and they say Florida State's a good team. Louisville was really bad last year. We're going to bet Florida State. There's a exactly. lot of people that are dumb that are going to do that <laughs> because they want to watch a game with some interest. The so majority it, of people yeah. are going to do that let's be clear um, it doesn't have anything to do with it with respect it, yeah. at least not from national analysts or pundits but uh, Res- anyway yeah, I, I mean to is, no yeah i mean i i think from a from a fan point of view i think it has some level to do with that that there are more florida state fans and uh, they're a national team and a name brand and maybe you think oh they're turning it around in some way shape or form um but no, I think it's 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 going to be really interesting. A three thirty game, as you mentioned, still going to be pretty warm. I don't know. I think the one thing about the flo- the the way Western Kentucky game is, you saw the pictures of the entire Western Kentucky sideline was in the shade, so it's yeah. probably fifteen degrees cooler than the Louisville sideline yeah. was, and that might have had it. I I think that 
I don't know that that has some level input week two, week two in, in college football. Kids are still getting their legs underneath them. I, th- I think that does have an impact. I, I, I mean, Louisville played two quarterbacks and they played 23 players overall in offense. <laughs> and yeah. I, I mean, that, that that's the entire game. You had 23 players on offense is what they played in that heat. That's. That's that's wild, dude. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of mileage on some of those big big linemen, guys like Mackay mm-hmm. Beckton and things like that. So that I mean, that, that for me, that's I, that that's kind of gonna be what it is going. I mean, I, I don't know that that's really gonna change, but it's just worth knowing, right. I guess. Right. Um, yeah. So you mentioned you're not quite ready to say Louisville is a bull team. We saw Mark Schlereth from. ESPN say the quick lane bowl project Louisville to the quick lane bowl in, in Detroit where I just was at Ford Field. Um, not sure I want to go to Detroit they, in December. Against uh, Nebraska. <laughs> Baby, if they go to a bowl game this year, I'm going. It could be on the moon, but I, I, I will, will definitely support this team if they get That's to a bowl game enough. for that. So, gun to your head, how many wins they get then this season? It's a tough question to ask before Florida State. Um, <laughs> let me let me pull up the schedule again because I just want to see it visually to make sure to see when they're playing teams. Um, yeah, I think one thing to to consider in this aspect is is definitely the schedule. Wake Forest looks really good. <laughs> the ACC's um, just been bad outside of that, though. Virginia looks good. I mean, Virginia is is ranked now. NC State doesn't look very good. Uh, Syracuse is meh. Kentucky is eh. <laughs> the, 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 the Kentucky game, it, it coming down to the Kentucky game for Lola to be bowl eligible would be just all types of fun. Um, to have be. a little bit it of a reverse situation there. I'm going to say right now that they're going to beat Florida State. And that is honestly, it goes against what the number, what the what the numbers say. But it is just a total hunch, a total. It's it's a gut feeling. Like I, I don't really have anything to base about it. I mean, I think it. Somebody said it after the Virginia game, but but Florida State has like twenty nine five stars on their team. 20, yeah, twenty nine, and Virginia has like three or four. Um, and, and that's and, one thing. That's one thing to consider. I think we don't talk a whole lot about. Well, we sometimes talk about it with Louisville. Is that so many of these kids are from Florida, and there's something about them going in to Tallahassee yeah. and winning in Florida against the guys who were recruited over them. So that's one thing I'll also be looking for when it comes to this one. All right. So I got. Uh, I have them right now. I'm a little optimistic here, but I'll have them winning okay. their their next two games against Louisville and Boston College. Um, I was going to say. I definitely feel like they're going to win against Boston College. It, it feels like to me if they beat Florida State, they'll beat Boston College. If they lose to Florida State, I could see that game going either way. But I think the, that's that's the psyche with this team is going to be that way. Um, yeah. Wake, Wake Forest, I'll have as an L. Clemson, obviously a loss. Um, Virginia, I'll have as a loss. Miami is interesting. Probably have as a loss, and that's where things get dicey because if you right. lo- if you lose four straight with this team after what happened last season, although even though you've had success, you've had you know the parties in the locker room and all the fun, fun culture, <laughs> culture, culture. That stuff's tested after right. losing four straight. So you go to NC State in a game you could absolutely win. NC State hasn't been overly impressive. You could win at NC State and you could come back of home course. and beat Syracuse, and that could get you bowl eligible, and you still have to play Kentucky. That could get you six wins. 
right there. But can you do that after losing four straight games? Because that's a distinct possibility for this team, regardless. I mean, even though they have overestimated our expectations, absolutely, it's very, very possible that they could lose to Wake, to Clemson, to Virginia, to Miami, four straight losses. So that that's no, a th- that's a thing for me. No, I'm with you. I th- I I, th- I think that is going to be really interesting, and um, I wonder if they'll show some fight. You know, they'd be nice if they show some fight against a Virginia team that I don't think is that much better talent wise. They're they're probably better organized, of mm-hmm. course. Um, Miami. I don't know. I mean, they they showed some gusto against. Um, you would you would like that game to be at home. Yeah, if that game was at home, I'd feel better about it. But they're, I mean, they're for all intents and purposes, I think, still a top 30 team in the country. Um, but if it was at home, that might, you know, maybe they could catch him off guard if they've got some some mojo. But the schedule doesn't do Louisville a whole lot of favors when it comes to the end of the year. That's for sure. But as you said, this this game to me tells us everything we need to know about the rest of the season. What to expect. Um I, it's one of those games to me that if Louisville, I would much rather Louisville lose by 14, 20 points than lose by a touchdown or three points. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 go ahead. No, I'm with you there. I, I did want to get, I had a uh, friend of the show um, slide to the DMs and send me a little oh, pro- yeah? project he's been working on. Um, he goes by the name of Matt Online 247 on, on uh, Twitter. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, I, I guess he's just been tracking the, the Bill Conley S&P uh, rankings for Louisville and their right. opponents. And they went 82 in the preseason, 82 in week one, week two, 75, week three, 67. So they've been creeping up. But They're been creeping up. What's interesting is to see what's happened to some of the opponents. Syracuse started the season at 53. They're now 66. Um, Miami started the season at 20. They're only now 21, but they've they've went down as far as 32, and they went back up to 21 after winning this week. Um, Wake has went up from 58 to 51. BC has went from 65 to 72. Florida State's went from 35 to 42. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of underlines that some of these games that felt like they were, you know, a 14-point spreads – suddenly became four or five point spreads and, that, and that's that's a considerable change and it's also important to note i believe that the s&p rankings from bill conley they they're still using 80 percent of the preseason right. notions that he's entered into it so teams that have made a big jump a 20 a 20 position jump like louisville that means s&p really likes them and s&p of course is adjusted based on garbage time opponent you know, ranking, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think that bodes well for Louisville. And it's something I almost honestly almost tweeted about, but I, I don't know. It's a little bit of a opaque process. I don't have a whole lot of information. Didn't want to make a lot of inferences, but it's something I feel pretty confident about for sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you have anything else. Um, no, but, yeah. Any last notes before we move forward? I think, I think we've, we've, we've talked good about this. Not really, man. I, I do just kind of wonder how important it is for this team to kind of get settled in on one guy behind center. Um, it's a good question. I, I think if Malik goes to Florida State and wins, he's going to have a terrific feather in his cap. Um, I, I just – you talked about it a little bit with kind of the, the offensive line being a little off kilter to start the game against Western Kentucky. It's different from blocking for – I mean, they, they, oh, ran, yeah. they ran the ball a lot with Jawan Pass, but when a guy's a, a second to two seconds faster – uh, when he just takes off, it's different for blocking a guy like that. Yeah, so, I absolutely. Mean, j- just for stuff like that, I-, I think it's kind of important to kind of get 
that uh, that kind of figured out. But I, I do think no matter what happens, whether it's Puma or Malik, you're going to see both guys throughout the season. I, I, it just seems to me that that's going to happen in one way or another. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Chubba Purdy um, coming in, the great season he's having yeah. at his high school in Arizona. It's seven, some, seven touchdowns in, I think it was a 2 old yeah. town game. It's a ridiculous. It had 10 touchdowns in one game, too. And T. Webb also, there's some good quotes coming out about him. Louisville has a stacked quarterback room, and, and uh, someone's going to have to separate themselves this season. Uh, because two quarterbacks are coming in that are highly regarded yeah. two you know, four star quarterbacks. So we'll see. I, I, I don't disagree with you there. And I, and I think a game like Florida state will go a long way in under, in helping us understand who will be there under center for the rest of the season, but we will see how that goes, Chris, and we'll move right along to our next topic, which is noise complaints, <laughs> a scourge affecting our city in a variety of ways. Chris, of course, I'm talking about the hometown rising festival, which happened this past weekend is being followed up by the louder than life festival this coming weekend. And then after that, I believe is the bourbon and beyond festival. Uh, I think it's Danny Wimmer productions is, is the name of the group that's running these three festivals at the Kentucky fair and expo center in a unique location. I think where I believe it's where the fraternities and sororities used to tailgate. If I'm not, incorrect i might be completely off on that i couldn't i was thinking the same thing and when you when you just said that i literally thought the same thing a few weeks ago but i i haven't really been able to get entire clarity um i was trying to maybe make my way out there for for hauling oats coming up but um, we'll we'll see um but yeah i think i think you might be right actually right so uh Basically, the point is, and we can post the the articles that have come out. There was I saw an article on Wave Three about it, and I have uh, you know I saw something. The original article that kind of went around Twitter was on the CourierJournal.com, and that was the fact that some of the people who live in the Audubon neighborhood, that neighborhood right there next, that is the closest to this stage, um, were reporting hearing very loud music and they went to America's favorite app next door to complain <laughs> about it and uh, there was a few uh, an older woman on way free who was said her walls were shaken and she was like really uh, the reporter's like really were the walls really shaken she said yes but nothing fell off the wall so it wasn't too bad and <laughs> it was quite an interesting conversation there was, there was the quote I saw about the, the from the lady who prefers the opera um, and she wanted to make sure people knew that it was a it was like offhanded quote I don't know it was very strange I'm just about done with this shit honestly dude I like I, I just don't have much tolerance for it anymore yeah, as I tweeted, we can't let next door commenters run this city. And uh, the article, the Courage Journal article uh, headline was Hometown Rising Music Festival's organizers remain silent amid noise complaints from their neighbors. And, dude, like, I don't know. There's, like a, <laughs> there's honestly like a philosophical question here. Like, if you live in a city and you know that like an event is coming and it's going to bring money into a city that obviously needs money and it's going to help stimulate the economy, although it may just be for a weekend and maybe a small amount, I feel like you just have some obligation to maybe put up with some loud music for a night. Like, the, uh, like that. That's just how I feel. Very basic level. If you don't want to live here, then go somewhere else. Li- noise, you know, and a few points about this. Okay, a 
the noise ordinances in Louisville are stricter than most cities. You have to be, I think they have to be done with music by 1030, maybe 11. That's not that, that's not, you know, that's not that late. I'm sorry, older people who go to bed at eight. I have a child. I sometimes go to bed at nine. I don't want to be ageist. I I want to be empathetic here, but it's so hard. No, I mean, I no. but there was, I will say there were some younger, there was a younger uh group on the uh, way for the article so it's not it's not all older people i will i will give them that um also these people live next to the airport uh, ups is ridiculously loud i it took me months to get used to ups when i moved to ul <laughs> yeah spend a night in miller hall bro so that's one thing I really, I really thought hard about. <laughs> um, and thirdly, I, I kind of goes back to your point. I'm just, I, I don't quite understand the people who all they want to do is complain. The nimbies of the world. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's. I, I, I'm just furious. Like I'm just fed up with it, man. Like we have talked. Uh, we've talked on some levels on this podcast about how we balance the, the the line of progress versus you know things like gentrification and like deeper stuff like that. But like having a music festival in Louisville that that stimulates economy and brings positive things to Louisville for generally ninety nine percent of the, the the things it brings are positive. Like I don't know why you would want to get in the way and just complain to to stop progress like that. It, to me, it's just I, I don't know that I have much of a deep take. I just think it's like I'm just sick of this shit. Like I'm, it, I'm right it, it goes back to the top golf stuff. It goes back to all the dumb shit of boomers. And, and like I said, I don't don't want to be ages, but we're being quite fair. We're being quite truthful when I say that it, it, it's just getting in the way of progress being made in the city of Lola. And it's largely from people that were born in the 60s and the 70s. I, and I, I just can't understand. I, I don't. I, I, I want someone to explain it to me to say you move to a city of Louisville if you want the best for your city then you could put up with a night of loud noises on a freaking Saturday night and a Sunday night even I mean Jesus Christ man like yeah I don't I don't I I, I think we I think we we feel pretty consistently confident in, in this <laughs> idea that, that that you know it just and it just ties into what we've talked about I know we wanted to talk a little bit about Bartstown Road and. Uh, some right. of the stories that be coming around. I know I wrote about it in a in a, one of the newsletters. Go subscribe to the newsletter if you have not. Um, thanks to everyone who sent some uh, some some you know nice criticism and, and feedback. Criticism sounds bad, but people were very kind about the newsletters. What I'm trying to say poorly, um, but you know people in this city who want to say negative things and they turn something very small or maybe something that's circumstantial something that um, is uncommon into the norm and the fact and, and a much bigger deal than it needs to be and that's, I think that's, that's a very happening. good way to put it because there are a lot bigger and negative things that we could be talking about in this city because there's a lot going on yeah absolutely and we can go ahead and we can talk about this Bardstown Road story that that, uh, that we, we talked about before we started recording it was on WDRB.com uh, talked about quote unquote 
reviving Bardstown Road from Doomsday of Deterioration um, describes someone, uh, a gentleman who owns Parkside Bikes, which uh, is an upstanding business. I have no issues with them. Got love for um, Parkside. We got got love for Parkside, who says, uh, "Quote: There's uh, we've been looking out this onto this road for ten years. It's not the same as it was ten years ago. There's less foot traffic. It's grittier. It's edgier. It feels like you have to keep your head on a swivel. We never had a break in until three years ago. We've now had three in three years." Two months ago, door smashed in. Two days ago, someone came in and tried to steal a bike right out of the shop. Uh, goes on to interview the councilman, Brandon Cohn, who's your councilman as well, Chris. Um, you know, who, who weirdly said, Bartstown Road is Bartstown Road's doomsday clock is two minutes to midnight. And um, really goes on to paint this picture of Bartstown Road that I, I, I don't want to speak for you, Chris, but I believe you agree with me in the idea that that's not really... The fact. Yeah, it just it, it, it to me it paints this picture of Barston Road that I have to walk down the street and be worried that I'm going to get pickpocketed, um, or, or be yeah. worried that I'm going to be you know in a crime or, or or something along those lines. I reading this article to me it was more astonishment than anything because I've lived. I, here's a weird thing about me. So growing up in Barstown. Barstown Road, oddly enough, was always viewed to me as like one of the coolest places in the world. Like just just coming here from like Nelson County and like coming to Barstown Road, not even to go to like bar hopping or anything like that, but just going to the street during the day. I was like, this is like the coolest place. I want to live here one day. And obviously, like I finally do now, but I, I've never noticed like any of these things that that has been talked about, like the the the, the, right. the decay or, or anything along those lines. To me, is just kind of like shocking, and I'm not really sure where it comes from. I, I think what it really ties back to is people living in kind of a bubble um, for so long, and then suddenly there's a few things that happen, and it, it just gets maximized. I don't know. Like, yeah. what are your thoughts about it? No, I think, you know, I talked a little bit about the newsletter. The stats don't support this idea that uh, the Highlands is in any kind of real trouble um, in terms of being overrun with crime or anything close to that manner. Uh, property crime is down the for the like the the lowest it's been in in five years in the first half of the year uh first half of the year violent crime was also down so there have been some very high profile incidents we just had one over the weekend where someone was was murdered at cherokee park and that's really unfortunate we had the gentleman who um, i mean it should be pointed out that there was an arrest made in less than 48 hours yes yeah we could talk about that and you know hey like that's that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen west of, of 20th Street. You know, so, um, you know, there was the 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 very random murder of the of Jason, whose last name I am unfortunately forgetting who the ran guy, the, the, Louisville, the humor. Louisville humor guy, who, you know, was solid account online. And I know a lot of people had a lot of love for him and losing him was a tragedy in the especially in the way that it happened. Um and there's been these high profile incidents, but I just they're not they're not indicative of a of a larger trend. Um, I think I can completely understand with a with a you know a business owner like this guy who owns Parkside Bikes that he doesn't have the foot traffic he used to ten years ago. I would agree. I, I think I think Bartstown Road is is not the most walk most walked area of the city anymore. 
um, or it's it's not to the level that it was when I was younger. When I was in high school, when I was a sophomore, junior high school, I would have my parents drop me off on Barcelona and I'd walk up and down the street. Like that doesn't happen anymore. Those kids are doing other things, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that Bardstown Road and the the Highlands area is now a trash heap. That it's Skid Row or something like that. I just don't I don't understand how we can make that leap before really talking out the real um you know the real reasoning behind small problems not yeah, big problems small I, ones. I mean when when brandon cohen says that that barstone road is two minutes doomsday to midnight or or, or whatever he said two minutes to midnight i guess yes um, that's just I, disingenuous that's just that's a yeah, lie <laughs> i'm curious what he means when he says that is is he saying that because it's some overridden with crime or is he saying that because there's less food foot traffic because local businesses are being supported less and so i mean my question for him would be is he spending all of his money on barstown road is he going to other places is he going to nulu to go out and you know have dinner and things like that because if he's doing that then he's directly contributing to the program if you want me to get very technical about it <laughs> obviously so i mean like we can have like pity parties for things about like ear ecstasy leaving that that obviously is a very sad thing that happened but i mean this is just a reality of of what happens in in the, the city of Louisville. We want to balance those things, but the whole crime notion to me, I, I want to talk elo- like very like eloquently about it because it's a very like deep level thing. And this is the part of me to where you know writing is a preferred medium more than more than the podcast sometimes <laughs> or things like this. But to me, dude, it, it's just a it sounds like. A lot of rich white people getting a little scared because real life things are getting a little too close to home. Um, I, I, no, and you're right. And you, and you have areas of Bartstown Road that are adjacent to the Cherokee Gardens area. Uh, that those are very nice homes, and I do think that rent and and changes in um, changes in who owns the buildings makes a difference after a period of time i can my understanding is 10 years ago a lot of the the building owners a lot of the landowners and developers were locally based mm-hmm. and now you have you know you mentioned your ecstasy which which you know brought me to this point because i think that's a great example because that building is prime real estate i'm sure the rent on that that rent on that building became too high combined with all the other issues with the music industry etc cetera, etc cetera. but now a business like panera has to take it that that can support that high rent that can do that not you know it's not a local business anymore and i'm sure these guys at parkside bikes are paying heavy rent to be where they are and they're frustrated so you know if it's a maybe it's a rent problem with with some of these commercial businesses that that they don't want to be spending that much money and um, i mean but, yeah. but but what do you want you talk a little bit about like uh, the the land changes like if if you want people coming in because i i've heard it's not particular in this article but i've heard some of the complaints about obviously you know what i live in i live in a a house that's been converted to an apartment um a three-bedroom apartment and right. I, I think there's a lot of complaints about that because it's it's attracting younger couples but yeah. so i mean if you don't want that then you don't want people stimulating these local businesses you need millennials and you need younger people moving into these communities and you need affordable housing for that to happen so they can go into these businesses and stimulate the economy and keep barstown road from a decaying area as you would describe it so you you have to decide what you want do you want barstown road to be an affluent place or, or do you want barstown road to be weird and what's made it barstown road absolutely and 
and I would encourage people not to not to overly listen to these these commenters, these <laughs> internet brigaders who have these negative things. And you brought up a lot of great points there, Chris. And you know, I, I, I just wonder if like I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, go ahead. I, I I wonder how much these beliefs are new, or if it's just because there's more outlets for these beliefs to be expressed. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I and and I think even in this article, this WDRB article, I was quoting from. You have the president of the Highlands Commerce Guild, um, Aaron Given, who said, "I don't see doom and gloom. There is no community that has not experienced some trouble. The question is, what do they do? Uh, do they use the trouble to unite?" There was some parts in it about the fact that that there's cleanup of litter. I mean, the Highlands host a lot of events, and I saw some commenters That's a thing on Reddit we can have a serious other, conversation about. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, no, like that's okay. Like events, but you know, a lot of commenters say that you no, know, they don't see an issue with the trash. Usually, it's cleaned up. Maybe it takes twenty four hours. Maybe it takes thirty six hours. But usually, by the start of business on Monday, it's generally fine. It's right. not a huge issue. It's not like it's a trash heap. So it is what it is. But that's what happens when you have parades, like the St. Patrick's Day parade, things like that. I don't know. You know, it's it is it is it is what it is, and we'll see going forward. But I just I've seen this trend. We see it in the we saw it in the article we just talked about, and we saw it at the, the you know with the hometown rising issue. Just seeing this trend of people, uh, a, a select minimal you know minimal population of people can go back to Top Golf. Just saying, there's an issue when there's not. I mean, it, it, it feels like largely that Louisville's at a turning point in the city, like, over the next five years. We have the most popular hotel, you know, uh, the business going on right now. As of, I guess it was three or four months ago, we had the, I, I don't know exactly you want to phrase it, but the most the, the most popular hotel business, I guess, the, the, it, there's a lot of hotels popping up. So it just feels right. like to me that Louisville is kind of at a turning point to where it's becoming a little bit of a bigger city. And it's always been a big city that's felt like a small city. Yes. Um, and I think you can still maintain that going forward. Um, but I, I do think there's going to be things that are going to change a little bit. If you're going to make – even if you talk about – you know, Lou FC coming here, and right. if you get the, the 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 women's professional soccer league, the the names escaping me, NWSL, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, you got, yeah, it, you got it. Yeah, cool. Uh, these no, things I, these things are going to continue to grow, Louisville, and we're going to balance situations like this all the time. Is petty crime and things like that are they real threats, or are they are they just things people want to make real threats? There's, these are city problems. These are city problems we're talking about. I think that was a great way that, that, that you kind of put that, that Louisville's at a turning point where um, they're trying to attract people. You know, I, we didn't have a newsletter last week, but when we sort of thought we might be able to put one out, I was starting to write about just the general outsider's view of Louisville. You know, I went to, I went to Detroit. I had some conversations with people who, you know, I find Louisville really easy to talk about when you're talking to it, to, to someone about it, you know, just someone who's never been there or someone who is interested in going on a bourbon tour. I met so many people who, who said, Oh, I'm planning a trip there in the next six months. (laughs) And just people from random places around the country. And cause it's, they've heard so many good things. And, 
I just I don't I, I don't want people who have these ticky tack problems to affect that to affect other people enjoying our city because I think there's a lot to enjoy and there's enough for people to go around and so it's frustrating when I hear this and that's why I think we keep dwelling on it because it's it's just bullshit <laughs> yeah I mean it, it's going to be um, you talk about Lola being at a turning point it could be a little bit accelerated by by what happens in some of these elections. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Andy Bashir and uh, obviously what what Greg Fisher decides he wants to accomplish um, in his last term and he's not running with any real repercussions. Um, I, I think, you know, you talked about the, the waterfront project being completed right. and things we want to see at the end of his term. And, and I mean, this largely what happens in these next three years, I think, is going to be a, a strong part of his legacy. Um, so I, I, I no think that's, that's substantial as well. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that play into the part, probably some things that we're going to be discussing in the future on this podcast. And I, I look forward to having more of those conversations. Yeah, no question, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what's next, and uh, you know, I, I I wonder if some of these issues will be taken up by Fisher's successor, who we're three years away from that. But just something I think about, I think when I think about the future, uh, I think about a lot. I also thought, <laughs> thought about how much joy I had listening to the Kentucky football post game show. Um, honestly, like for me, I don't know about you, as like a, a Louisville fan, the the Kentucky football thing has never been like a true hate. Like it's just been, you know, kind of indifference. It's been fun to laugh at them. Some, uh, the, the basketball thing has been a whole nother story. Um, I enjoy <laughs> seeing Kentucky basketball lose. I enjoy seeing John Calipari lose. I, I won't shy away from that. It, it's, it's, it's fun for me. The football things uh, a little bit less, you know, yeah, I'm a little bit more indifferent, but Dude, the, the, the post-game show and the way that Kentucky football lost on a missed chip shot 35-yard field goal was just – it set up for a great time. I heard a guy say he's never going to refer to Mark Stewart's other than anything but a Caucasian Marvin Lewis. Um, <laughs> I heard a guy say that – and I told you before that it, it, Eddie Grand must have information on the Clinton family because he just disappeared. And people – it was late night – and people were just enough intoxicated, and they had just had their heart broken. We've all been there by a sports We've team. All been there. Drunk all and, been there. Drunk and mad. It was an energy for the entire Louisville football season last year. I get um, it, man. I get it for these guys. <laughs> man, it was an all-timer. I just wanted to mention that. No, I think it was, I, I, that was quite a loss from Kentucky. I think they really uh, – there was a lot of fans who got really upset at the 11 fact. 11 points in the fourth quarter. Jesus, Yeah, man. you just can't – the way that they were – the the way that they kind of made some mistakes down the stretch, you just yeah you you as a football team you got to close you got to close the book and and they just didn't mm-hmm. do that. Will be interesting to see them going forward, but I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris, because that uh, the reactions online have been fun. I, I've, I've sipped the tea a little bit, even though I definitely shouldn't, given the state of our football program. Kentucky fans really they they're quick. They, they don't like Mark Stoops much, dude. I, I think that's like the biggest thing that has been missed. And we won't talk Kentucky very much because obviously this is a Louisville Center podcast. But like, I think that's a thing that's been missed largely from like the analysis of, you know, radio talking heads and things like that. I think the leash for Kentucky football fans with Mark Stoops is shorter than people think. Like, I, I don't think they're crazy about the dude. I don't know, man. And I, I, I just want to say this in regards to that is that. You know, connected back to Louisville. You know, 
if Florida State continues to have the season they are having. Oh, dear Lord. They would very much be in a position to drop their head coach and the gentleman at the head of the Kentucky football program has plenty of experience in Tallahassee yeah. and I think would be near the top of the list there. Ah, and he, and I'm, not the, I'm not the first person to say that. I'm far from the only person who is saying that. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing to consider. Um, uh, you know, maybe a two a two prong thing Louisville could do is they could get rid of they could <laughs> get rid of one guy from from one school and another guy from another school. So yeah. Okay, Chris, where where are we going next? Um, I don't know. We can we can finish up on Justify or whatever you want to say about Andy Bashir. I'm kind of indifferent to either one. Um, yeah, let's. I mean, what, what, <laughs> I think we could probably just talk quickly, real quick about both. But what was your you know, the Justify News comes out, the, the New York Times story, which I have to say I was going to put in the newsletter, very well written. I think it was very interesting. Great journalism. Very, very good journalism. And um, to be quite honest, I, I, I don't care what, what Bob Baffert says. I don't care what California says. I trust those guys. And yeah. I don't think they I don't think they messed that up. <laughs> and given that, Chris, what do you think? Do you think there should be an asterisk next to Justify's <laughs> triple crown? I, I, I don't know about that. Just like the story for me is just all kind of funny for, from two I ways. Agree. Like Bob Baffert can do whatever the hell he wants, apparently. And it doesn't really matter. He's literally Bill Belichick. That's exactly who he is. Like, it, they do whatever you want, no repercussions. Secondly, how many things are going to happen to horse racing that are going to kill horse racing? It seems like every story that comes out is the doomsday scenario. Pat Forty wrote an <laughs> article that I couldn't disagree with more, saying that this is going to have repercussions for horse racing down the line. And I, I don't know. I just don't feel that many people care. Um, the, the, no, this, I don't think the, so either. The Saratoga thing is a big deal. You have horses dying. That's obviously a big story. Um, yes. But, but the people that are that are in the middle, that are casual, you know, horse racing fans that watch Triple Crown, that watch big races, Breeders' Cups Derby, they're still going to watch those races. The people that are, you know, that are PETA, and they're going to do the things they're going to do. And the of guy course. that's in jogging pants on a Tuesday betting his mortgage at Churchill Downs is still going to do the same thing <laughs> he's going to do. So I don't know. It just it, it's it's an interesting story. It's a story that I'm glad, you know, got to it. I'm glad good journalism is getting out there. I'm just not sure it matters too much, unfortunately. No, I don't think it matters. And I, I think we're in a not not to. You know, to kind of piggy off that, that, oh, this is bad for horse racing type thing, where I really wonder if fans care, uh, you know, that they, they don't care that much. You know, yeah. it, there's one thing if it doesn't matter, I just, I, I wonder if fans care, because I, I think a lot of the fans, they want there to be these big time moments in horse racing. They've gone so long without Triple Crown winners, winners and they're very okay with there being one so yeah i think there's not going to be a whole lot we see from this it doesn't seem like churchill downs is any hurry to to strip anything <laughs> uh, which is funny given the whole maximum security business right. and uh i don't know it's but i, I thought it was a fascinating story and if you haven't read it please do i, I think it's extraordinary journalism this is kind of a little bit a little <clears throat> bit of a pivot but i do kind of wonder like with, with sports gambling coming to to indiana and 
you know, to potentially to Kentucky. Matt Bevan has did a magic 180 on that, to no one's surprise. Um, what he did, I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, he he's he hasn't he's been a little bit around the bush, but he's made some offhanded comments to let he be a little bit more perspective to expanded gaming and you know sports gaming and things along those lines in the state of Kentucky. Um, right. So we we can talk about that probably in the next podcast a little bit yeah. deeper. Um, but I, I do wonder like how much that's going to affect horse racing in the in just the state of Kentucky because I, I'm always curious with horse racing how many people are truly fans of the sport or how many people are fans of handicapping and the gambling yeah. and the other things that go into the sports because I mean it you know obviously it, it's a, it's a two edged double edged sword so I, that that's something I'm curious about and and how how the popularity of, of sports gambling kind of affects that thing so yeah yeah no question and, and it will be very interesting you know you said you wanted to, maybe we talk about that next week but i do want to say you know we can sort of talk Bashir for a few minutes there was one thing i wanted to bring up Bashir, but before i do that i think his rollout of the gambling thing where he sent uh jacqueline Con- Conway or Jacqueline, I'm forgetting Coleman. I'm sorry, yeah, Jacqueline Coleman, Coleman uh, sent her up. She or she went on her own to to um, Southern Indiana to go play some bets and and posted a video about how easy it was. That was cool. a fun video. I thought that was good. I thought that was really good. And even mentioned, oh, there's all these people from Louisville there and all this interesting stuff. Um, I thought that was well timed with the opening of those books and uh, talked about the you know the estimated five hundred million dollars a year we could, we are missing out on. So I, I I think that's really interesting and I and um, I, I thought the way that they did that was was well done for a campaign who hasn't you know hasn't exactly made every perfect move. No, I mean I I think that's a good point. I think you're going to continually see these these I'm very like excited for some of these debates and some of these more these commercials to come out and see the messaging a little bit more um, because there's going to be a constant you know battle between Matt Bevan wanting to make this about everything that doesn't really have to do with the state of Kentucky and Andy Bashir wanting to keep it about Matt Bevan and about right. about his history and about what he's done the the pivot we I have to dig into this a little bit more and it's probably a topic best served for for the next podcast but the pivot from Matt Bevan seems to be the latest is something along the lines of crime and and, and how Matt Bevan has kept the state safe oh, yeah so, so yeah it was the the uh, the immigration uh, sanctuary yeah, cities which is just is, a weird thing for me which already we we know in 2018 didn't work so I, I don't quite understand why he's going to that well. Um, I, I just wanted to point out the fact that that the that the the figures are out for the third quarter of the year and Bashir has raised like 2.8 million dollars and Bevan has raised like 1.8. I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but it's most of that's came from Louisville, but most of that has come from Louisville. And I, again, we could talk about that next week, but I, I mean, we're at the point, Chris, where it's like Bashir can't lose. Like he, like he, if he loses it, we, like it would be a colossal blowing of it at this point. I think yeah, just, just all, uh, all the circumstantial uh, evidence. I mean, is, is like, there. like I've kind of said, I, I think if, you know, Andy Bashir loses his campaign, the lights are off for, Kentucky Democrats for the next decade. I literally don't think that that's hyperbole saying that. I think this is 
Kentucky's in a place to where it can become Kansas or it can become something else. Um, yeah. But that, that's kind of what it feels like for me. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. I wanted to give a bit of a, a side and kind of a shout out to here. If you haven't listened to any of the NPR embedded series, there are a few Kentucky centric topics that I would suggest listening right. to. There's a five, five or four part series on, on coal uh, that is absolutely terrific and something that's going to be great listening for the upcoming Senate race. Um, there's a four or five part story on Mitch McConnell, which is really good. I talked about his obsession, even as a child of following campaign movies or campaign contributions i said campaign movies but campaign contributions and and where the money went which is kind of you know perfect for mitch mcconnell talked about his obsession of just politics in general from the very young age of 12 to 13 years old this is a guy who watched the democratic and republican conventions start to finish when he was 12 years old uh just to be and it was hard to watch them back then. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of yeah. channels. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, absolutely fascinating for me. Um, it's yeah, something it that be, I think is great for, for Kentuckians to listen to. And I would suggest I've read, you guys do yeah, this. I'm sorry. I've listened to some of the the uh, the McConnell yeah. stuff. And I, I recommend that as well. Just to, just to underline, I have the figures in front of me. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, Matt Bevin's campaign has raised $2 million since May. He loaned himself five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's the part I was missing. Um, and then Bashir raised two point eight million dollars um, since May in the most recent period. How do you loan yourself five hundred dollars, five hundred thousand dollars? How does that whole thing work? Uh, he's rich, man, and uh, <laughs> and also apparently a Louisville fan as Matt Bevin won, or as Matt Jones wanted to make sure everyone knew. Um, so there's that. Um, but I think with that we can close this thing out, Chris. We've reached the hour mark, and I, I don't know if we have a whole lot more to say. This been a good when are, like, when are we, episode when are we gonna get a matt jones decision you have any over under on that well it's i don't think November, we should dog. we should end a podcast without mentioning matt jones in some respect damn it i wanted to mention um, that at the, at the beginning when i talked about the the can, the global fans obsession with the with the slighted quarterback because i understand <laughs> matt jones business model and why it was so successful a little bit more um but i don't know I did We had to get the Matt Jones mention in here. Come on. Oh, we had to get the Matt Jones mention. I, I don't. He's not deciding till after election day. I don't think he's deciding <laughs> before the end of the year. But I do want to say you mentioned Kentucky football. I, I not, to, not not just Matt Jones. A lot of other Kentucky fans. It's always interesting to me how easily. L- Kentucky fans are are willing to call out Louisville for things Louisville does that has nothing to do with Kentucky. It's very rare. And then they're not willing to you know call any attention to this uh this Cash Daniel thing, this this ankle thing that he did to the to the Florida quarterback. Yeah. Um and I think Louisville fans. I, I'm obviously. I'm. Just, I, I think. I'm sure. There's time to time where we're many times. I'm sure where we're glass half full. We're rose colored glasses sure. with these things. But I think Louisville fans are generally pretty clear. If someone d- makes a mistake, if someone does something wrong, they'll call them out on. I, f- I feel pretty good about that. And uh, 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 who, who knew that Cash Daniels would start a media beef on Twitter? Either too. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we uh, we'll step that away there. from the mic. We'll step away from the. <laughs> mics on that one and uh, thanks for joining me as always chris it's good to have you on and it's always good to have everyone listening we will 
see you guys next weekend. We will definitely have a new episode for you and a new newsletter. So subscribe to that if you haven't already. Take care, guys.